You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is Andy Grant and I'm very pleased to have you join us today. This is actually episode 45. We're almost at the year anniversary of this program, which is uh, super cool since when we started it, we thought, well, we'll do this once and see what happens. And uh, we keep doing it. So <laughs> glad you could make it. Um, again, I'm excited tonight. We're going to be talking about the Good Men Project. Um, so first, I should introduce our first good man. And that'd be Apio Hunter. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. It's always been fun to be here with you, Andy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then tonight's guest is Michael Kasdan. Michael is the director of special projects for the Good Men Project. So I guess that means that we are officially a special project and we need some special assistance, uh, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but regardless we of- We actually just made up the title. Oh, good. Oh, we, we love made-up titles, so welcome. We welcome. do it all the time. <laughs> so it's great to have you here tonight. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Cool, cool. So in, in the world of men and organizations and things happening, there were really two groups that I had ever heard of, and one was the Mankind Project, and the other was is the, the Good Men Project. So... For, for guys that have no idea what, what it is, could you just kind of start with telling us you know, what the Good Men Project is? Sure. So the Good Men Project is a, uh, it's a media company, meaning it's, a, it's an online website um, and, you know, online magazine. Uh, and we cover all sorts of topics, very, very wide range from sex and relationships to ethics to sports uh, to social justice uh, to parenting. And the, uh, the MO of the Good Men Project, and I can get into a little bit of the history of it later because it's kind of interesting, um, is, is the conversation no one else is having. To, that, you know, modern men don't, not, you know, traditional masculinity of just sort of being tough guys, don't necessarily care about things other than sports and beer, uh, is not really where we're at as a society. Um, so it's a really interesting conversation. Um, men and women are involved. And uh, I've been uh, involved in wearing different hats of the Goodman Project for uh, about three and a half years now. Cool. Yeah. I, w once I saw your tagline, tagline, I knew like, oh, we've got to have someone on. We've got to get involved because I <laughs> describe this show as, well, these are the conversations most men aren't having. Um, exactly. So it felt very uh, synchronistic with what, with what you're up to. 
And uh, so, so why don't we back up? Can, can you tell me how, how this project, how the website originated? Sure. So, so it originated actually, and that, and that story is actually uh, before my time at the Good Men Project, but, uh, but, but I, I, I've been around long enough to understand the history. Uh, it actually started, uh, started by a, a, a venture capitalist, a uh, young guy named Tom Matlack, um, who uh, realized, I don't know exactly how old he was, I think he was in his 30s, um, you know, he partied and had a good time and was sort of living his life. Uh, and he, uh, he, he had an evening where he kind of realized that he didn't really know what it meant to be a man and didn't really know what it meant to be good. Um, and uh, he decided that he wanted to write a book that would explore the diversity of masculinity. And, uh, and he traveled the country and talked to, uh, you know, men of different ethnicities and different ages and gay men and straight men and black men and white men and uh, men in prisons and men in all sorts of different jobs. Uh, and he wrote a book uh, called The Good Men Book, um, which was a collection of essays. Um, and he, uh, he came to uh, this social media and advertising consultant uh, named Lisa Hickey, foreshadowing she's now the CEO of Good Men Project, and said, hey, I'd like to market this book. Uh, and she set up a website uh, and she set up a Facebook page uh, to sell the book. Um, and what happened was um, they didn't sell too many books. Um, but what happened was oh, they had a lot of people coming to the website um, for, you know, these short little articles. The Facebook group, you know, grew. There was a conversation happening. And at some point they realized, um, you know, this book's not going to be, uh, you know, a bestseller. But. I think what we might have here is a media company. Um, so, uh, so Tom asked Lisa to, to run it, uh, and she's been running it. We've been around around about six years, um, and we now get about uh, three plus million unique visitors to the website a month. Um, we have a pretty big Facebook group following, and and I think what's what's interesting is it's kind of evolved from uh, a static, you know, online magazine basically um, to actually. Now, uh, what I'm really doing as the director of special projects, um, which we did make up, but I actually do have a job. Um, and the job is to actually make it more community-based and more interactive. So we've started these communities that we, saw, we call social interest groups uh, around issues, where we bring people together, we have a phone call once a week, we communicate in between, we try and build community and also do some social change. And whether the topic is men's mental health, uh, whether it's stopping racism, whether it's uh, non-heteronormative, you know, parenting. So we have a, a, a gay dad with straight kids and a straight mom with gay kids. And how do you do that? Um, so all those sorts of conversations, uh, we, have, we have a group I'm running now uh, on the disposability of men where we're focusing on, uh, you know, football and sports and head injuries. Um, so, so we're shifting, or at least we're attempting to shift um, from, from a business that's just sort of a website uh, to really something that's, that's a community or a set of communities. Cool. Yeah, I, so that's why I really liked about it. Isn't, it isn't just come read some stuff. Right. Yeah. And I've seen Lisa describe it as a, uh, a, participatory, a participatory media company. Yes, we're a participatory media company. So we do things. So, so we have our, 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 our premium members who pay either five bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks a year. Um, we have a Facebook page for those, guys, for those people. They help drive content. 
uh, a lot of times people who are readers um, become writers and become editors. Um, we have weekly calls with the publisher. So every Friday at three o'clock Eastern, uh, we have a call that's, that's a really, it's kind of the most fascinating call I'm on. It's a bunch of really smart, interesting, diverse people trying to kind of process the events of the week together. Um, and so, yeah, so, so we've tried to use, you know, Facebook pages, uh, but also just getting on the phone with folks. Uh, we've done some live events too. We've had like live storytelling events. Um, so yeah, we're trying to sort of bridge that gap from just being sort of static. Here's an article, go read it, uh, to really sort of having a conversation. Cool. And you know what's really interesting about about the site, you know, because I actually stumbled across it um, about a year or so ago, and then I forgot about it. But when the first time that I visited the site, I thought it was really fascinating because all the different subjects that were there, and so many of them, you know, had just incredible insights, and especially told from such a personal perspective by many of the authors. Um, but what really struck me about where you're talking about just now as far as the special projects and the community outreach and creating these, these uh, community impact, if you will, for me, it seemed like just, just the presence of the stories and the different points of view and the perspectives already were having that impact just by, by presenting that content, having it out there. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point. And I think, I think one thing that we do really well um, is, is storytelling. And I'm a big believer that stories change the world. Um, and, you know, I, I've... And we, we have see, a... Lost Michael. Signal. Oh, there yeah. we go. You're back. You're back. We lost you for a moment there. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, I was saying, you know, I've been engaged in... Oh, there we go. So many uh, issues. Uh, my back? Yep, you are. You are. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, there's so many issues like, you know, how do you deal with racism? How do you deal with sexual assault and rape culture? Um, and and at, what, what, I, what we've learned is, um, you know, the way, the way to change the world, you know, taking racism, for example, you don't really make a lot of progress coming up to someone and yelling at them and telling them they're a racist. Um, but you do make a lot of progress where you say, Hey, have you talked to your black friends about their experiences, um, you know, with police? Um, and I've seen it, I've seen these stories change people. Um, and, uh, you know, we do it in men's mental health, you know, there's a huge stigma talking about those issues. So, you know, the more people share their stories, it really can change a culture. Um, you know, back before my time, I think I know one of our earlier success stories was, you know, stay at home dads and, you know, changing the way they're looked at in our culture, right? It used to be, you'd see commercials, the dads were like the bumbling, you know, person you couldn't, you know, stumbling around, couldn't really take care of the kids, called taking care of his own kids, babysitting. But, but you know, we told a lot of really deep connected stories about that. And that, that I've seen that has the power to, to change hearts and minds more than any other thing. Yeah. And, and right now is with the current state of the world, is there any particular traction you're getting um, group wise or content wise that that's kind of spiking? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, you know, we uh, we had a difficult time where we, we, we put some thought um, during the election cycle as to because, you know, we're, we're not a you know, we're a bipartisan organization, right? We have liberals and conservatives and folks from, from different backgrounds. Um, but what actually led to the social interest groups, the very first 
social interest group we had, even though we didn't call it uh, that, that back then, uh, was something we called the Stop Trump Task Force, um, which didn't ultimately succeed. But we put out a lot of writing, uh, a, lot, a lot of videos, a lot of memes, because you know, this one man kind of embodied so many of the values that we were speaking out against, you know, of, you know, misogyny and racism and xenophobia. And it was like all in this one person. Um, so, you know, that, that wrote a lot and, and you know, a lot, and, and that was difficult and people get angry when you talk about politics, but we do talk a lot about social justice and ethics on the site. I think after parenting, you know, ethics and social justice are, and are our big topics. And, you know, now I think uh, a lot of people are coming to the site to try and sort of process what's happening politically. Um, and uh, so we have a couple of groups. We have one called uh, Post-Election Rebuilding, uh, whose, whose point is supposed to be to include, you know, both, you know, Hillary voters and Trump voters getting on these calls and trying to sort of pound out commonalities. And that is hard. I was going to ask how how was that going or stagnant or what? Yeah, that's. I think it's got a lot of potential, but it's it's really really hard. Um, and uh, but I tell you, it's it's a lot better, you know, because we have a Facebook group that we communicate at in between um, our weekly calls, and it can get like Facebook gets, it can get kind of snarky and degenerate. Uh, but the calls are actually the calls, almost all the calls have been pretty good. Um, so, you know, we also have a, a course, uh, we, we do have some classes, and one of the classes we put together is called uh, The Art of Political Resistance, and we have a social interest group that's, that's meeting about that. Um, and that's not so much, uh, you know, it's a little different perspective on, on politics, um, but it's, you know, so many people feel like, you know, our democracy is being threatened and our values as a country is being threatened, and what can I do about it and how do I process all this and trying to find sort of like-minded folks. So we have, a, so that, that group, I think we just kicked it off last week. I think that's going to be pretty popular actually. Uh, I would guess it would be. Yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we had a question here in the, in the chat from uh, Jeremy. Um, the question was, you know, how would you say this rates with the Allison Armstrong and PAX work uh, and others such as MDI, formerly the Men's Divisions International, and the Sterling Institute of Relationships, or the work of the Hero's Journey from Campbell or the Iron John mythology. How would you say that relates to what you guys are doing relates to all of that? Interesting. So, so, uh, so Jeremy has far more depth of knowledge than I do on this topic because some of those things are not familiar to me. Um, but you know, but I am a fan of of, of Campbell and, and the Hero's Journey, um, and and so you know, I, I've I've quoted his work in in you know, in, in, in my work. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, um, you know, the, the one, one thing that, that, that we try and process, you know, culturally is, you know, that hero myth. And I think Campbell's work is amazing and interesting and, and helps me to understand the world. Um, but we also have this myth as like, you know, this one masculine man, you know, hero. Um, and a lot of the way we come at things are, you know, you might not be like a tough guy who likes to change tires or a guy who's super into sports. Um, and there's a diversity in that. So a lot of the values are, uh, you know, very progressive values. Um, so, so I'm not super familiar with, with some of the things that, that, that Jeremy mentioned. Um, but, but I, I would, I think the, the conversation we're having, um, I think is, is fascinating because it cuts across so many issues and, and also 
it includes men and women. I, I like to say if, uh, if, if, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, I'm a woman, you know, trying to write for the Good Men Project. And, and, and I'm like, well, actually the CEO is a woman. Um, so, so it does have a little bit of a feminist bent, um, but, um, but I'm very okay with that. But I, I do think that if we're just a bunch of guys talking, like we're just talking to ourselves, we're not having a conversation. Um, and, and I think that these issues that we're talking about, like, yes, there are men, there absolutely, there are men's issues. There, there, there are aspects of, of masculinity that, that are, are harmful to men, they're difficult. I think traditional stereotypes of, you know, you have to be tough, you have to be the earner. There's a lot of pressure there, right? You have to go out and get the girl, um, you know, you have to, you know, be a champion and get lots of sex. There's a lot of pressure on men. Um, we see it in a lot of areas, you know, mental health is a big focus and has been a big focus in mind. Um, and, and you know, of course, there there are women's issues, but these these issues, like they're the, they're, they're the same issues. They're kind of flip sides. Like I, I really believe that um, you know, if you take the stereotype, you know, of, of of a man and say, okay, you don't have to be the earner all the time, and it's okay to be emotionally connected. And the flip side of that is, you know, women want to be in boardrooms, and and so it's kind of better for everyone, in my view. You know, if we're more progressive about these things, and we're and, and we look at look at the, all of this as less less of a zero sum game and more like, you know, we grow it for everyone. So that, that, that's kind of become my view uh, as I've connected to these stories and sort of tried to process what's going on. Now, a lot of the stories that I, that I read in my first, my first sojourn into, into the site were, you know, were based off of very much American culture. And I see there's a lot of influence of American culture in the site, but I'm curious to know, do you, is there an international reach? Do you get perspectives from other people in other countries, other cultures that might be more open to men expressing themselves more so emotionally and, and expressing themselves in that with their relationship with other men? from those cultural perspectives? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, so, you know, we are we're based in the States, um, but we do have international reach. Uh, we have a lot of, a lot of folks um, from Australia and, and Britain, uh, and those are, you know, Western kind of cultures, of course, not, not, not super different. Um, but I think it's really interesting. Like there's definitely uh, a lot of things we talk about are very Western cultural standards and mores. And, uh, you know, I, I read and I've written about and I've interviewed, you know, guys like uh, Dr. Andrew Solomon, uh, who writes about mental health, but also has traveled the world and, 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 and shown how, you know, these different, how these, these values aren't like the values. It's just kind of one set of choices. Um, so I think that multicultural perspective uh, is something we definitely go for. And the more of those stories we can tell, the better. Yeah. I remember when I first was checking out the site, I, like I was surprised how many women were involved. And, and again, that the CEO is a woman. And at first, you know, my stereotypical shit kicked in. I was like, hey, that's, that's not men. That's not right. right. But you're right. It needs to be a conversation. Right? Men living in a bubble and talking amongst themselves about how awesome they are or how, what a mess they are. It, it doesn't really help change everything. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's, there's, there's got to be spaces for everything. Like, I, I think... You know, men's group, a bunch of guys getting together and, and, and talking about men's issues, I think can be very powerful. Um, but uh, but I, I've, I've gained, I think, more, uh, you know, personally from coming at it from a more broad perspective and having women like we have a we have a I mentioned earlier how, uh, you know, a lot of readers become writers. Right? Someone will comment and say, like, well, what about that? Well, they're like, OK, well, why don't you write about that? 
Um, so we have a Facebook page called the Gilman Project Writers Group, uh, which is, is a source of fascinating discussions. You know, someone can just drop an article in there. Um, but I've done more sort of difficult change yourself, change perspective work, you know, talking about those issues, men's issues with women and women's issues with men, that, that I think that, that the space for that, that, that's also very, very important. Yeah, I agree. And, and what we find has come up in almost every episode of Real Men Feel is that, you know, most men's issues are human issues. And we have a lot more in common with what we're dealing with, what we're challenged by than, than you know, most people kind of want to admit. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, I think there's this big layer of, of human issues. Um, we, we, we talk about, you know, the man box at the Good Men Project, which is not a term we invented, but, um, but, but you can search for it. And, and it's, it's really a way of talking about sort of traditional masculinity and how that can be constricting um, for, for men and boys and, 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 and what impact it can have and how powerful it is. Um, but um, there, there definitely are, you know, there are men's issues, I think, that arise from that, from those cultural standards. Um, that are important to deal with. And I, and I think it's important that we give people a space and that we're a home to talk about those issues. Um, but I think many, many issues, like you said, are really human issues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are guys, and I've, I've learned that, you know, every time, like, there, when we talk about rape culture, right? Like, so, so a lot of the things we process, you know, we process through the lens of current events, right? So when the Stanford swimmer rape stuff happened, you know, we wrote a lot about it. Um, it's troubling, right? Um, and you look at the numbers and they're, you know, one in three or one in four, you know, women are raped or sexually assaulted. Like those are, those are terrible numbers. Um, and, and yet there are some, so, so I think it's important to, to have that conversation and say, yeah, like, that, you know, all the mass shootings in this country, you know, are essentially like white men. You know, women aren't running around murdering people to the, you know, and, and so, so these are, but, but sometimes you will get people. So, so when I wrote an article about the Stanford rape case, you all, you do get that, that, that class of commenter who says, Oh, well, what about, what about men? Like, you know, women abuse men and it's true. And that's an issue. And it's, and it's, it's sort of underreported um to me there's kind of a time and a place and so but but you do get people who are knee-jerk like no this is men you know it's about men why are you writing about this well we're writing about this because of the statistics and because of what happened um but i think there's got to be room for for both that's all that's been my view yeah so it's good it is kind of is there a stated mission of the good men project is it to help people break out of that man box or or something else yeah i mean i think i think uh you know, if you go to the about page, it's, it's probably it's, it's something like that. Uh, but it, I think it's it's really what, what it really is is to sort of explore the diversity of, of modern man, and, that, and that's pretty broad. Um, but if you come at it from sort of any any issue, um, we're in, we're very inclusive and and progressive. And I think what it, what it really is 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 to help men address. Certainly, you know, men's issues. Uh, I think a lot of them arise from that man box. You know, men have problems making deep friendships and connecting deeply and, uh, you know, that whole sort of man up, toughen up, um, you know, and sort of kept, sort of not, not connect on an emotional level. Um, but for us, we want, we want to be a space where, where, where people through their experience and through their stories and through the way they connect uh, to show that there's this, this massive diversity of, of masculinity 
and that it's all part of being a man. I think one of the things that has really struck me about you know all of, you know the articles and all the conversations that have been taking place within that space of, of the Good Man Project is that it really is with that goal of reaching that space of understanding, you know, allowing people to share their stories, to speak not at each other but with each other. That's one of the things that really has struck me about the whole the whole project, and and it just for me just makes me really thrilled to see that happening because I've, I've been saying this for, for a little while now, which is the only way that we as, as human beings, you know, men, women, and so forth, can truly reach that space where we're having conversations that don't get us upset is if we reach that space of understanding. Yeah, yeah look, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I think we're also in a world where I think we're more polarized than ever. And it's difficult in so many topics to actually have a conversation with, with empathy and, and with connection, with understanding of different perspectives. But I think it's actually interesting that the, the tagline for the Good Men Project when they created it six years ago was, you know, the conversation no one else is having. And that's really kind of what we're, what we're doing. When we started these social interest groups, which are really these issue-based communities where we come together and have conversation, I was like, oh, that lines up great with that tagline, but it's actually just the way we've evolved. And, and I think that is, that is kind of what makes us a special, you know, you know to have, have a place for that. I, know, I came in. Go, go ahead. So now we do that thing where we both did that thing. I'll go. Um, so uh, I came in the Good Men Project uh, through the mental health door um, I wrote a story that was published in Honestly about about my struggle with uh, with depression. Uh, but soon after that, um, I, I met some of the writers, and uh, and and I can't. They're actually looking for someone to uh, to, to to help write for their sports section because um, sports is this great way to connect to guys. They felt like they weren't doing enough, um, and they uh, and I remember Lisa came and pitched to me because I, I was coaching my son Little League Baseball, and that was sort of this fascinating sort of microcosm of life and issues. And I was playing pickup basketball, and that was this really interesting case study in male friendship, you know. So there were these little articles that I written in my head that I thought would be fun to share. Um, and she came and she said, you know, we're looking for someone to write sports and to sort of use sports as a platform um, to talk about social issues. And, uh, and I was like, well, I could write about Little League Baseball. And, and so I joined up. And, uh, but I wrote some really, you know, we're not like ESPN writing about sports. We're not going to talk about, you know, the box score of yesterday's, uh, you know, basketball game. Or, or, but, but we write about social issues, so issues of bullying that you see in sports. Uh, one of the biggest, most viral pieces of sports, something that happened in New Jersey with football. Uh, you know, we've written about domestic violence and athletes. Privilege. Could you back up a and, second? You know, so that's all the bad stuff, but also about yeah. So, so you know, so we've written about those difficult social issues, but also about you know highlighting you know the good aspects of sports and community. Uh, we keep losing Michael, we keep we keep losing you in that in that story. Um, 
did you lose it to Apio? Did he freeze? Yeah, 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 I did. So, so maybe if you could back up a little bit and talk about what you were talking, um, pick up where you did with the New Jersey, you know, the story that went viral regarding the New Jersey athletics and then kind of take it from there. That's if you're still with us, because it looks like you're frozen at the moment. <laughs> yeah. seems like New Jersey has a bad connection today. <laughs> it happens. Are you back with us? Here, let me try this. It's all good. All right, we need some filler music. Da 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 da. Keep that Benny Hill music as we run around. Maybe I'll leave and come back. Which we could always do that as well. In the meantime, if for those of for the folks who are. Know who are participating, or watching, and listening. If you do have any questions, by all means, feel free to type uh, to toss those questions into the chat. We'll we'll monitor that and we'll read those out. And if you want to just raise your hand virtually or otherwise, let's unmute Michael here. So that way, there we go. How's that? I left and came back. Uh, sounds a little better for sure. We'll we'll just roll with it. We keep doing that anyway. So we're always good. So here, oh, here we go. I went close to my router here. So the wonders of modern technology. Uh, um, sorry about that. So That's okay. what I was, uh, no, what I was saying was, um, so I, I live in New Jersey and uh, there was a story about this football powerhouse, you know, that had won five out of six state championships. And this big story broke that, you know, the seniors were hazing the freshmen and really, oh yeah you know, terrible. Um, and uh, what the right thing they investigated, and they said, we're going to stop the football season while we investigate all this. And all the parents said, wait, you can't stop the football season. This is, you know, you're taking football away from my kid. And I was like, has the world gone crazy? Like, hazing this, this weird sexual hazing, is this uh, sort of a one-off thing, or is this happening more broadly? And also, you know, why is the attitude that football is more important than investigating this? And uh, and so I wrote this article that got picked up by the BBC and reprinted in Salon. Um, and uh, to me, it was it, so it was a way of using you know fo football to talk about this difficult cultural issue. And so so I think a lot of what we do, and it was a long answer, and I got disconnected three times in the middle of it. But but a lot of what we do is is try and you know use these these paths uh, you know in you know whether it's whether it's sports or whether it's a personal story you know to get at these issues that are difficult to talk about or not often talked about um, and and uh, especially by guys. So so is that story of yours going viral kind of what hooked you in or you already you know uh, a constant contributor and working with the project or? Yeah no that actually did hook me in. Um, you know, I, 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 when I started, uh, so I was, I was one of three sports editors and I was told um, it was a quote unquote easy lift. I could just write my little league story and, you know, go be a lawyer, which is my day job. And, um, and then within two weeks, you know, one guy kind of left and the other guy disappeared. And I was the senior sports editor of the Good Men Project and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but uh, you know, I wrote that piece and uh, what was amazing is you know it got picked up all, all over the place and people started people that i didn't know were reaching out to me 
like sending an email or like connecting through Facebook. And they said, you know, this happened to me in high school or this happened to me in college. Um, and then this, uh, this woman from Australia who was a psychologist reached out to me and she said, are you going to, um, are you going to, uh, the, the conference, um, in Newark, uh, um, you know, on this issue on, on, you know, men who are survivors of sexual assault. And I was like, what conference? And she said, Oh, you know, I come from Australia every year for, for 15 years. And I was like, well, I, you know, I live pretty close. And, and I went to the conference and there were these, you know, hundreds of men there who had been through this, either in connection with sports or otherwise. Um, and, you know, so that, the power of a story to connect to people and to, to meet all sorts of people who said like, I read your story and that's exactly what happened to me. Um, that was, I was like, okay, we can actually use sports to talk about these issues. We can use this platform to, to, to change things. So yeah, that, 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 that one, that one hooked me pretty good. Um, and then the other thing was men's mental health, uh, you know, in that journey. Um, because like I said, I started writing about, uh, men's mental health anonymously. Um, because it was shameful and I was scared I would lose my job if I talked about it openly. Um, uh, you know, my depression and, and that, that was difficult. Um, but you know, over the past three years, I've sort of transitioned from, you know, being in that place to writing about it, telling my own story, uh, talked about it at conferences now with like other lawyers about that age, about that, um, to leading this men's mental health group, which was the first social interest group that, uh, that I led where we had, you know, 25 men uh and we put out this amazing uh video that we created together uh we used the hashtag not weak just human we just told our story in about 30 or 40 seconds so so to me you know not necessarily one story but just you know the ability to to connect to people uh in, in that way uh is what really hooked me on the given project and so it sounds like it's really having positive effects in the rest of your life too yeah, I think it, I think it is. Um, I mean, for me, uh, so so my day job, I'm a I'm a I'm a patent lawyer. Um, so I work on uh, inventions and I do litigation. And it's a really one thing is this the class of people that I've interacted with and who have become such good friends uh, through the Goodman Project are totally different kind of people and a different part of my brain and my heart is activated. Uh, and I found that I really, uh, you know, enjoy writing and, and I enjoy, you know, thinking through these issues. And, and I really wasn't sort of political uh, and not, not only political, but I never thought about these issues. I never thought about these like gender issues. I never thought there was such a thing as depression. Like I just was kind of going through my life and doing my thing. And, um, and so to me, being able to talk about these issues uh, and connect to people, uh, uh, has been fascinating and, and it has helped me in my life. I think uh, it's really kind of opened up uh, a lot, a lot of things. I know I was just going to ask a question and it just went from my mind. <laughs> that, happens. that happens. That happens a lot to me. Period. Even when you podcast, <laughs> exactly. Even in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> it happens. See, that's, I saw the up your face. Like he's got a question. I gave you the pause and, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh crap. There it went. <laughs> Well, so, so Michael, you talked about speaking opportunities and things like that showing up. So is, is that is that at all a common experience that people get involved as as writers or readers or editors with the Good Men Project? It, uh, it expands yeah. beyond the website, kind of. A thing? Sure. Um, so, so we definitely do um, attract a lot of writers who who 
you know, want to uh, or learn that they, uh, you know, are really good storytellers and want to learn how to grow their platform and figure out how to grow their brand. And we've had, I think, a lot of success stories of, of writers who have gone from, you know, the Good Men Project um, to, you know, larger publications and have speaking opportunities. Or uh, I know some people who have, you know, written books and been able to go through that path. Um, so that's, that's, that's certainly available and I see it. Um, uh, for, for me, I, I haven't quite pursued that path. Um, you know, the speaking opportunities came kind of randomly, uh, but it was actually interesting. You know, I knew, uh, I, I, I used to go to these legal conferences, you know, for business development and, uh, and, uh, patent lawyers who talk about patent law stuff. Um, but, uh, but I think it speaks to the fact, uh, that, you know, the more you're yourself, kind of the more the world opens up to you, even when you don't think that's the case. Um, because, uh, you know, when I, when I first started writing for the Goodman Project, right, I'm in a law firm, lawyers bill by the hour, often many hours. Um, so I was always kind of worried, like, what if someone sees, you know, my article and they know that I'm right, you know, doing patent law. They're going to think I'm a slacker or whatever. And also, like, you know, when you're writing about, you know, the anal rape of high school students and, you know, New Jersey college football or high school football, you know, that's not like a comfortable topic to talk about with your, with your stodgy law partners. So, so on those levels, I kind of just like hit it and I never talked about it. Um, and uh, and we, uh, when we got to, uh, there was this one, I wrote a piece, I lived in Japan for a couple of years and I wrote a piece about Japanese baseball and sort of called the cultures and and uh, and one of my law partners saw it and he shared it firm wide. He's like, oh, if you want to know about Mike and his experience living in Japan, you should read this article on the Goodman Project. And I was like, no. Um, but um, but what's, what's interesting is is so I know this guy who who's another lawyer and I knew him through conferences. But you know, I became Facebook friends with him and he saw I often posted my articles and that was the stuff that he was interested in and that we talked about. He's like, oh, you know, he started sending me articles and we talk about things, um, you know, social justice type issues and you know, masculinity stuff. Um, and uh, and it just so happened, this was a couple months ago, he was supposed to be at a conference and they lost their keynote speaker. And the uh, the woman running the conference asked him if he wanted to be the keynote speaker. He said, actually, he's like, I've got this friend and he's a lawyer, but like, he's also a writer and he talks about social issues and like, you know, mental health and masculinity. And he's like, you should ask him. And so they asked me to be the keynote speaker. Um, and, uh, and I said, uh, I said, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll do it, but what should I talk about? And he said, you should talk about like the Goodman Project stuff, not like the law stuff. Um, so I put together this presentation called Lawyering, Lawyering While Human, uh, like kind of a riff on like driving while black. Um, but it was more, it was really about sort of being authentic and that there's actually great power in coming to work like with your authentic self. And, and I talked about all sorts of things that I probably would have, that three years ago, I would have never talked about in front of a room full of lawyers, like including you know, depression, the fact that I spend all this time writing about all, this, all these sort of controversial topics. Um, and, uh, and it was really cool. And a lot of people came up to me afterwards and they were like, that was really, you know, cool to, to, to talk about that stuff. And uh, so, so yeah, I haven't, you know, written a big book or become a big public speaker, but, but I think it's been interesting to me, um, you know, in, in so many ways, um, you know, the way you can connect to people is just by being kind of more open and, and 
and the tendency for, for so much was to be like closed and separate. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just kind of works. Yeah, I, I love that you started off as try, consciously trying to keep it separate and not let the legal world yeah. even know about this. And now you're a keynote speaker about authenticity. And so that's, <laughs> that's right. that, you know, that, that journey is, and I'd say that that's the sort of journey that's available to anyone that, that starts visiting the site and, and by reading and commenting and subscribing to things and getting active in all your different Facebook groups or checking out some of the classes, that there's really a whole world of, of opportunity to, to delve deeper into you know, yourself as a man, as a human being, and into a lot of societal issues that are going on right now. And, you know, there's a great comment yeah, here from, from Lori about, you know, about, you know, all of that, you know, kind of good segue and, you know, talking about how so often people hide who they are. And as the true you steps out, it gives permission for others to do the same. Like in your experience, Michael, you know, you stepping out, being a human, being a lawyer and human simultaneously, which reminds me of the joke about, you know, how lawyer, you know, the chances of a lawyer becoming a human. I don't think I could repeat that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, that, that, that points out you, that, that you're dealing with another stereotype the heard of all. lawyers and the stereotype of men and everything you get going exactly. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great, great comment, Lori. Yeah. I think it's so true. I see it. Um, you know, we did um, a call for submissions uh, with an organization called Stigma Fighters focused on men. Mm. See, my internet connection is unstable. Uh, can you guys still hear me? Yes, we can. Ah, good. Um, so we, we did uh, a call for admission saying, you know, guys who are dealing with mental health issues, just tell us your story. Um, and I, I wrote mine, and we posted a couple others that we had, um, and, and people really stepped up. And like the more, and we, and we put in a little, we made kind of a chapter in this collection, and so it grew. Um, and, and the more people do that, the more comfortable people are, you know, with it. Um, and, and I think that's, it's, it's so true. It's so true. You, you know, you just, it enables other people to take that step. Yeah. And that actually reminded me of a comment that I was going to make a little bit earlier. It's more of a comment versus a question. That is, <laughs> that is, you know, how, it, how fascinating it is that we've had conversations with other folks who have experience in the mental health world and not so many that have been in the legal professions, but certainly in conversations that I've had in, with people that are in both, in both worlds, that seems to be like one of the biggest stigmas. In the mental health world, it's almost, even though people are dealing with those mental health challenges regularly, they're afraid of stepping out and talking about their own mental health challenges. Same thing with, you know, with lawyers. In fact, uh, Andy and I both have a very, very good friend down in Alabama, who's a divorce lawyer, who has just like knocked, just blown the lid off of being open and human and an attorney at the same time. And, and, and it's fascinating to see the journey, how as one person decides to go ahead and step out facing the fear, how so many others start to say, okay, now that somebody else has given me permission, I'm going to go ahead and share my story as well. And it becomes like this, this, not an avalanche per se, but certainly a good flowing river of, of stories. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure. I, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this quote by an author that I like, David Foster Wallace, who was an amazingly talented author and dealt with his own mental health issues. Um, but but he, he, in one of his, his books or essays, he said, you know, if you walk down the street and you 
and everyone you walk up to, you know, you can look at that person in the eye and stop and say, what's wrong? And, you know, they might laugh and be like, what are you talking about? Nothing's wrong. And you just look at me and I just say, you know, no, no, really, what's wrong? Like, eventually, like, they'll be like this because every person that's walking around is carrying something that's wrong. And, and, and it's, it's, it, it shouldn't be shameful. It's just being human. Um, and, and I think the other part of being human is that we, we crave connection. Um, and I think you know, there, there's, there's social issues and cultural issues, especially, I see it, it's so hard for men. You know, you're not supposed to talk about this. You're supposed to just man up. Um, so I think it is, you know, there are human issues and men's issues. And I think mental health is an even more difficult issues for, for men because of that cultural stigma. Um, but it really is like, it's just when you realize that if you just talk about stuff that everyone's kind of got something, uh, it, it sort of takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah. That's how I find the, the, the first person to be open uh, and authentic and honest about something that opens the door for everybody else. And, you know, human yeah. beings, we have mirror neurons that really help us to trigger the emotion we're seeing in another person. So if you're seeing someone be open and honest, like, oh, I, I can do that too now. So I think that kind of the same thing applies. But one thing that keeps people quiet is fear of being judged. And it just hits me that, well, lawyers are literally being judged all day long. So we're expecting that extra stuff to get over that fear, I imagine. Get double money. <laughs> For sure, for sure. You know, I think that speaks to another cultural um, issue that that it, it challenge that we face, and this is this cuts across all cultures around the entire world. And that is this idea and this perception that somehow we need permission from outside of ourselves in order to be able to do something. And this can be especially true in societies where individualism or individualistic thinking is frowned upon. And, and, and so, you know, by having these conversations, by really putting these stories out there, I see it as being a way to reframe not only the conversation, but reframe the, you know, give people the permission for themselves, not from outside, but understand that the permission can come from within themselves to be able to just step out and be human. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's an amazing, it's a really interesting insight. And, and it reminds me of, of, uh, of your earlier question about sort of Western cultures and different cultures. Um, and it reminded me when you were talking about cultures that are more individualistic versus more sort of group, um, group think. And it reminded me of, you know, I lived in Japan for a couple of years uh, back in 2008, 2009. And I mean, that's a sort of fascinating culture. And it's a culture that I think is, is even more difficult for men because it's even harder to express and change. And, you know, they have, they have an expression there that, you know, if you, if you stick out like a nail, like you get hammered back down. So everyone kind of, you know, heads down. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting kind of the interplay because I think we, we get, you know, there are, there are reasons that, that, that cultures evolve and that we have rules and, and that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, laws and order. Um, but, but, you know, and we're not just all sort of raging around doing our individual thing, but, but it has a cost. Um, I think it's really interesting at, you know, seeing it in different cultures. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And understanding the cost can help the culture preserve its identity. And at the same time, give people the room to, to maneuver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned the, um, the Goodman Project has has um, different levels of payment. Can yeah. people also be involved at at, at no cost, or, or how yeah, does it work? For absolutely. So so our our articles, everything we write, the website, uh, the Facebook group uh, is is free. Um, uh, the the membership uh, that we offer uh, is at three different levels, um, and basically there's a five dollar level uh, that's called a bronze membership, and you get a bronze commenting badge, but you get to participate in those weekly Friday calls and. You know, supporting us at the five dollar level, I think, is more is, is kind of like Wikipedia, just saying, "Hey, like, if you support us, you want to be part of our community." So it's, a, it's five dollars uh, a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> that, that's kind of no brainer. Twenty twenty bucks a year. Uh, you're a gold member. Um, you get to take any one class. So I mentioned, like, we offer classes to help people grow their networks classes on social change, classes on the art of political resistance. And you get, and you can also participate in any one of the social interest groups. We have about 10 of them now and with plans to roll out, you know, more of them. Um, and then the platinum um, uh, is $50 a year, uh, which is still far less than the price of a cup of coffee uh, these days. Um, and that's kind of the all access pass. You can participate in any of the social interest groups, or all of them. You can take any class um, and all those. We have, a, we have a premium members Facebook group where all, the, all those premium members can, can join. So, so yeah, the site's free and, and you don't have to be a member. To shift our model, like I said earlier, from being to a, a community that makes, you know, where our business model is like, you know, we give you value, we give you, you know, there's a reason you want to be part of this community because it grounds you and it helps you process the world and it helps you come together with people who care about the issues that you care about. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do through kind of our social interest communities. Cool. And it, it really sounds like it, it's still very organic that any commenter, any reader can become a writer and they can just suggest a different group. It just seems very fluid. Is, is that accurate? It is. It is. It's interesting. You know, I, I mentioned that I, uh, you know, I did come in the door by writing that anonymous piece on mental health, but, um, but a few weeks later they had like a poetry contest and uh, it was a haiku poetry. So it's, you know, pretty low impact, right? It's just a few syllables. Um, and it was on masculinity and uh, so I submitted a poem and it got published and time was this brilliant, brilliant uh, poet who went on to do great things. Um, but I found out, you know, eventually I became, um, uh, you know, a lead editor and an executive editor. And there's this other guy named Wilhelm who was also an executive editor. And there are only four executive editors. Um, and, uh, and we were talking and we realized that we submitted poems, haiku poems that were published um, literally a day apart. Um, so we were just readers and we were like, oh, a poem. And, and that's, that's kind of how it happened. Like I see, it, I see it happening. I see people go through that same journey that I went through where I was like, huh, oh, like masculinity. I never thought about that before. Oh, gender issues and social, I never... Uh, and then you're like, oh, that's a really interesting article. And you're having a conversation, you know, on Facebook or in some group and, and you share something and someone's like, oh, you should write about that. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I could try writing about that. And then their thing gets published and then it gets shared everywhere. And I see this with a bunch of the folks in my, in my mental health group. Uh, you know, we had, we had eight people that participated in our PSA, in our Not Weak, Just Human PSA. Um, like he'd never written before. 
Uh, he participated in the group because he was uh, a young father uh, who was raising uh, an autistic uh, boy. Uh, and that, that's why he, that, that, that's how he found his way into the mental health issue. Um, and he wrote about it and, you know, it, it, it was, you know, people reached out to him and connected to him and he realized, and now he writes every week for us. Right. And that's how people, and you sort of see it happen with people. They move up the chain, they become editors, they become people who want to lead a social interest group. Right. You know, uh, and, uh, and I see that happening all the time. And that's part of the participatory nature of it all. That's awesome. So, so it's a big window of opportunity, invitation, however far you want to take it. And you can even enter via low impact poetry, if that's the case. Exactly. I love that term. <laughs> I had never heard that term. <laughs> uh, I love it. Low impact poetry. That's great. New term for, for us to use now. <laughs> that's great. A um, couple of questions from the chat here from Jeremy. First question is this. Are there any live seminars that people can participate in? And the second question is, are you interested in incorporating partnerships with others, expanding this conversation? And if so, how would that work? So yes and yes. Um, so, so yes, there are live seminars um, that we give uh, and those are available for either uh, the gold or platinum members. Uh, so we have classes on social change. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a number of different classes. If you're uh, a sort of inclined to be a writer and want to, learn how to write and how to, you know, grow your network and, you know, maybe write a book or become a speaker someday. Those, those, we have classes and seminars. We have done some live events um, and hope to do more. Um, and we're always interested in, in sort of partnering and growing and expanding the conversation. And that's part of kind of my wheelhouse as the director of special projects. Um, you know, we, we love doing that. I love connecting with people uh, who have a perspective and might want to write something or have already written something or, or, you know, whether it's, you know, any, any format, whether it's a video or audio or, or you know, or podcast like this, uh, we've done all that. We're, we're, we're always looking to, to sort of grow our tent. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that offline for sure. Cool. And, awesome. and so what's, what's the best way for people to reach you if they do want to discuss something directly with you or, or the best way to get involved with Good Men Project overall? Um, yeah, so, I mean, Good Men Project... Um, you can, you know, go to the website, you can sign up to get our, uh, our email newsletter, uh, you know, every day, uh, you can, if you're, if you're inclined to write, we have writing prompts that we send out twice a week, you know, things that the editors would love to just see people write about, uh, and, and we collect those topics and it's like, and if you build it, they will come kind of thing. We throw that out into the world and sometimes people say, Oh, I'll write about that thing. Um, so, uh, I'm on the masthead. If you just go to goodmenproject.com. Uh, you can find my email address. I am uh, hopelessly addicted to Facebook, uh, and I'm a serial oversharer. So you can find me on Facebook, Michael Kasdan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Michael Kasdan. Um, and uh, so, yeah, any number of ways uh, you can reach out. Um, but, yeah, the Goodman Project, just hit the site, and uh, there's a way. If you want to become a member of our community, there's a registration page where you can become a member. If you want to just be a reader and get on our email list, that's a good way to to enter and you know if you're someone who's who has an interesting topic that you might want to write about just you know drop me an email um and uh and, and you know you can just chat about it that way and, and get it up on the site cool and I, I can give a testimonial as to how easily and supported and and really wonderful it is getting involved that it, it wasn't even a month ago that i talked with michael about being on the show and <laughs> since that time i've i know i've taken at least i think i've taken two classes I've had three articles posted to the site already, so uh, it's very welcoming. It, the, the barrier to entry 
is is extremely low impact. I'll say it that way. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> no, but look, we're we're looking to to grow and, and scale. Um, right. The more people that are having this conversation, uh, you know, the more I think it's valuable to, to as a community. And and like I said, everything we do, everything I do, like I want to create community around it. and I want to change the world. And so we need we need people. And and we're all about diversity. In mass community, so we want to welcome people into our conversation, you know, whether no matter what the issue or the person or the perspective. I think we, you know, it benefits all of us. Cool. And, and there's another T-shirt, as opposed to, or in addition, maybe low impact poetry's on the front, and I want to create community and change the worlds on the back, man. <laughs> <laughs> or we could put that into a haiku somehow. We need to work on it. Or a twiku if you put it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap this up again, make it very crystal clear that the Good Men Project is at goodmenproject.com. I'm going I'm to track down all the uh, specific, the PSA, some of the articles that were mentioned. I'm going to include those in the show notes that you'll find at realmenfield.org. And uh, yeah, th thanks for joining us, Michael. I've, uh, I've, I know something about the project since, since we first met, but I learned even more tonight. Great. And, uh, and I didn't only learn, yeah, Good Men Project, M-E-N. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Because that's a mistake. I, even in writing about this, I kept flipping back and forth of how I would refer to it. But uh, Yeah, there are many of us, yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> cool. Oh. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And, uh, thank, you. and thank you again, Apio, for, for being an outstandingly good man. <laughs> you as well, Andy, <laughs> supported by an outstandingly good woman who always joins us every week. Lori, good to see you. Yeah, thanks to <laughs> thanks to all of our live viewers. Thanks to all the uh, the questions in the chat room, the support. Real Men Feel will be live again next Tuesday, February 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be joined by Destin Garrick. He is an expert in neo-tantra, and I have no idea what that means, and sexuality education. We're going to be talking about redefining sex, power, and success. And this, again, we've had a lot of sexual themes this year. So I, I seem to think that's, you know, the, the tonic for what ails us kind of politically and socially might just be sex. So right. there you have it. If 2017 is the year of sex, so be it. Yeah. So be it. All right. Bring it on. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody. Good night, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.